So welcome to Sisterhood. We are in week four of my determined purpose. This week we're talking about the helper. And I hope, I hope, I pray, I should say, that this curriculum has sunk deep in your hearts. And it hasn't just been head knowledge. And it hasn't just been stuff that you've written down on paper. But it's stuff that you've taken home here. Because if you allow it to, and if you let it to, ladies, it will change you, it will transform you, it will renew you, it will strengthen you. And isn't that what we want? He's our helper. I never really thought about help much until this week as I was prepping and preparing for it. And then as you think about this four-letter word, help, it's actually quite fascinating. If somebody ran through the back of the auditorium and yelled, help, what would we do? We'd all stop what we're doing. We'd turn and we'd look immediately and we'd be like, what can I do? Should I relieve them? Should I go get something? What do they need? And that's really true anywhere you're at. If you're at home, if you're in a parking lot, if you're in a shopping mall, if somebody yells help, it means there's a reaction needed. And we stop in our tracks every time. It helps this interesting word that sometimes can cause a dramatic reaction and other times it just quietly goes through the sentences like, mom, can you help me with my homework? Or can you please help me understand that? See, help comes in a variety of ways, and it requires a different response every time. If I had each of my girls sitting at the counter ready to do their schoolwork, and this one said, Mom, can you help me? And this one said, Mom, can you help me? And this one said, Mom, can you help me? I'd say, absolutely, I can help you. And I'd go to Macy, and I'd help her with her homework. And then I'd go to Lauren, and I'd help her with her homework. And you know what? How I help Lauren is going to look different than how I helped Macy. And then I'm going to go to Gabby, and I'm going to help her with her homework. And how I help Gabby is going to look different than how I helped Lauren and how I helped Macy. Why? Because each one of them has a different assignment. And each one of them has a different calling. And each one of them has different work that they need to do. And so as they've asked me to help, although the result was the same, their schoolwork got done, the method was different in how each one got helped. The other thing we have to realize with help is that there's somebody there that can help us. If I yell help in a room that's full of nobody, nobody's coming to my rescue and no one's going to help me. So I have to believe that there's someone there that's going to come help me. Earlier this year, my daughter, who had just gotten her license, got a flat tire. I know, bummer. And uh, it was really flat. It was really flat. And she got out of her truck, and she looked at it. Yes, she drives a truck, and she's really proud of it. But she got out of her truck, and she looked at it, and she's like, it's really flat. It's really flat. It's really flat. And so she had a choice. And she could sit there and mull over the problem and say it over and over again. That's really flat. Wow, that's really flat. And nothing happens. And nothing gets fixed. And no help comes. So instead, she said, I believe that there's someone that can help me. And so you know who she called? She called her daddy. She doesn't call him daddy, and she probably wouldn't appreciate it. I used that, but I like it better in the story. 
And do you know what her daddy said? I'll help you. Why? Because he didn't want her to feel alone. He didn't want her to feel abandoned. He didn't want her to be frustrated. He wanted to help her. We have a daddy who doesn't want us to feel alone, who doesn't want us to feel abandoned, who doesn't want us to feel unfrustrated or feel frustrated, uneasy. And so he says, I'll help you. In Matthew 28, 20, he says, I am with you always. Deuteronomy 36, be strong and of good cheer. I'm sorry, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. See, he never wanted us to be alone, so he made a plan. And the plan that he came up with, up with was three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Father sent the Son, Jesus, and it was like there was a passing of the baton in Mark 9, 7, when God says, this is my dearly loved Son, listen to him. So it went from God to Jesus. And then in John 14, as Jesus prepares to return to heaven, he begins to explain Holy Spirit, and he tells his disciples it was to their advantage that he'd go away because then the helper can come, and it's like there's another passing of the baton. So we went from God to Jesus, and now Jesus says in John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. See, Jesus is like, hey, I need to go. But I'm sending someone that will be with you, and he will help you. How do we know he's going to help us? Because it says in Psalm 46, 1, God's our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Do you know what very present means? Abundantly available, plentiful. In the New Living Translation, it says he's always ready to help. If any of you played sports ever in your life, your coach might say, get in your ready position. Why are you in your ready position? So you're ready to go. You're ready to help. You're ready to relieve someone if they need it. Oh, here they come. Help. Oh, I got burned. Go over there. Get in your ready position. That's what he's saying that Holy Spirit is going to do. Get in your ready position, Holy Spirit, so that he can go wherever. And Jesus said, hey, I know that in the flesh, I can't be everywhere at the same time. So he says, it's best for you. He did it for us. That's what he always does. It's best for you. It's to your advantage that I go away because the person I'm sending, Holy Spirit, he's not limited by flesh. I'm sending you Holy Spirit who's he's always going to be ready to help you. Hallelujah. Always ready. You can clap and cheer. That is fine. Yes. He's ready. I'm going to pray over this. Lord, I thank you that you are always ready to help us, Lord. We thank you that you are here right now, that you are revealing truth to us, Lord Jesus. I thank you that your word is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord, that it comes alive when we read it. Speak to us now. You know what each person needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I want to go back to John 14, 16 for just a moment. And said, I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Abide with you forever. Okay, again, not alone, not ever. Holy Spirit helpers with us forever. And I know sometimes we feel alone. 
And I know sometimes we feel abandoned. And I know sometimes we feel like we're left in the dark and we feel hopeless, disappointed, uncertain, uneasy. Sometimes we feel like we need to figure things out ourselves. We need to formulate a plan. We need to find all the answers ourselves. I got news for you. You don't have to formulate anything. You just have to fellowship with him. You don't have to make a plan. You just have to praise him. You don't have to figure anything out. You just need to pray to the helper. Look at that verse. It says helper. In the Greek, we're going to break this apart a little bit. In the Greek, it means parakletos. Think of para, paramedic. What does a paramedic do? It comes to your aid. It comes to relieve you. It comes to assist you. So parakletos means called to one side. The helper is called to our side to assist us, to bring relief, to aid us when we need it. The other word I want you to look at is another. In the Greek, this is alos. So there's two forms of another in Greek. One of them means another as in different, and the other one means another in, in the exact same. I'm going to give you an example. If I was going to meet you at a coffee shop and I walked in and I threw open my arms to give you a hug, which would not be a surprise, and whoo, I knocked the lady's coffee over that was sitting right next to me, I, I am so sorry, let me get you another one. And I go to the barista and I order another latte for her and I bring it back and I say, hey, I got you another one. And I hand it to her and on it, it says decaf. Ugh. And she's like, oh, it wasn't decaf. I said, I'm sorry, I got you another one that was different. So I go back, I order a new one. And I come back and I say, okay, now I got you another one. I got you another one of the exact same kind that was taken away from you. This is not a downgrade. This is not different. This is the exact same one. See, that's what Jesus said. Hey, I'm leaving you, but I'm going to give you another one of the exact same. You guys, that's the another he's saying when I'm going to give you another helper. And that's why he can continue in John 14, 18. He says, I promise I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. He can make that promise to you. Because although he's leaving that exact same helper that we had in Jesus, we now have in the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was limited by his flesh. He couldn't be in all places at one time. I hear people say sometimes, oh, I wish I was here when Jesus walked the earth. Do you really? Because he was limited by his flesh. You guys, we have Holy Spirit. Omnipresent everywhere at the same time. And here's what's even more Holy Spirit does. In Jesus' absence, he does what Jesus was do if he was physically present with us. Don't miss that. Holy Spirit does, in Jesus' absence, what Jesus would do if he was physically present with us. I think of just like walking, holding his hand. He does that for us. That's what Holy Spirit does. I think sometimes we hear the word Holy Spirit and we kind of get our insides freaked out a little bit like, oh, is that weird? No, it's not weird at all. He's come to be a comforter. He's come to intercede for us. He's come to give us strength. He's come to be our helper. 
have one more helper I want you to look at in Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Let your conduct be without covetedness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? Or pressures? Or circumstances do to me? Hmm. So the helper in the Greek there is boethos. Bowie means a cry for help, and Theo means to run to. So what they're saying in the helper there, you guys, I'm actually, I want to stop a second. Like, sometimes it feels overwhelming when we break these things down in the Greek, but do you get it? Like, this means something. I mean, go home and study your Bible. This is like three verses, I'm telling you, and I'm tearing them apart. Like, you have a whole Bible full of this stuff that you can tear apart. He says in one word, he tells us this is the Holy Spirit who comes running when we cry for help. Like, that's good news. He's always ready. As a mom, if my kids are crying for help, I'm running to them. I'm not going to just listen to them cry in the other room. Mom, help. Mom, help. Mom, help. Your first instinct is to run to him. He's like, that's what Holy Spirit's instinct is too. We have a father that wants us to ask. And when we ask, he wants us to believe that he'll actually help us. So we ask and then we believe that he is able and he's willing. And I think a lot of us get the able part right. We really believe he's able, but then willing, really? And we disqualify ourselves because that's a big ask. I'm not worthy. Really, would he want to help me with that? Yeah, he really would. Not too big, not too small. He's able and he's willing. Matthew 21, 22 says, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, that's a big word right there, that you will receive. See, I've learned over the years that when I ask, he's immediately on it. That was like a revolutionary moment for me. That was a revelation that I wish I would have had many years ago. Seems like a really simple truth, but get it if you don't get it. When you ask believing, he's already on it. He's already putting things into place for you. He's orchestrating things that you can't even see. I think we we get caught up in comparing God to our natural experiences, and they hinder us from fully trusting God. Why? Because humans disappoint us. Well, God's not human. God's supernatural. I've asked my kids to do something, and there's no response. Well, they're not God. Okay? There isn't an instant result all the time when we ask our kids to do something, but there is an instant result even if we can't see it when we ask Helper to do something for us. And we have to fight that temptation of getting frustrated because we don't see it immediately or because it's not exactly as we want it to. As soon as we ask, as soon as help comes off your mouth, it's at that moment that he is doing stuff all over the place, working to help you. He will answer it however he sees fit. And we just have to trust him with that. See, it doesn't matter what method he uses, he'll do it. It's like my girls, remember? They each needed a different method. I was going to help them. It might look different for every person. I kind of thought of it this way. If I call my friend and I say, hey, I need help giving my kids a ride to school tomorrow. Can you help me? And she said, oh, yeah, I'll be there at 7.30 a.m. to pick them up. Guess what? At 7.30 a.m., my kids are at the door waiting for her. 
Why? Because I asked her. She said she'd do it. I believed her. I trusted she'd be there. No, I don't care if she picks them up in the minivan, in the truck, in the suburban. It doesn't really matter what method she uses to get my kids to school. I'm just glad she's helping me. Same as with our father. We just ask for help. It's up to him how he helps us. He gets to determine what is best for us, and we just have to trust him. What do you need? Some counsel? There's been times in my life where I've said, God, can you help me in this area? And then days later, I find myself out to eat with a woman, and she starts spewing out all this knowledge and all this really good stuff, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that is speaking right to my heart. And I think, oh, I'm so glad I planned that lunch with her. <laughs> Guess what? I'm not that good. Thank you, Lord. A better response would be, thank you, Lord, for orchestrating that lunch so that I could gather all that insight from her. Sometimes he shows me it in scripture. Sometimes it's through a text from a friend. See what I'm saying? Don't miss the way he's helping you. Sometimes it's a hug that somebody gets you. What else do you need? Do you need patience? Do you need financial help? Godly friendships? You tired? You exhausted? I found the other day I was super exhausted, and so what did I do? I went to my Bible, I opened it up, I read Psalm 23, 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Matthew 11:28. 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Don't you just like want to take a deep breath after reading that? I mean, just in his promises, you find rest. Maybe he gives you a quiet evening when you're tired. Maybe he whispers to you, tell me you can't go. Just stay home tonight. He will answer you. He will do it his way. Doesn't matter what method he uses. Maybe your basic needs need to be met. He reminds you in Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And then you flip to 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and you see, and my God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Maybe a meal shows up at your door. Maybe there's coupons in your mailbox. Maybe the Lord just shows you how to be happy with less. It doesn't matter what method he uses. What matters is he helps you. So we ask him. We believe him. We trust him. And then we praise and we thank him. Because being thankful reminds us of his faithfulness. Don't you, don't you think there's power in remembering? There's power in reminding yourself, if he did it before, he'll do it again. If he did it for her, he'll do it for me. So for me, it's so much easier to ask believing what we read about in Matthew 21. Ask believing and you will receive. Receive. It's easier for me to ask believing when I've been thanking him for what he's been giving me. It's like a new trust rises up within me. A new faith rises up within me when I've been thanking him with a grateful heart. One of my friends wrote it this way, and I love it. She said, Thanksgiving and faith are intricately intertwined. If you never stop to appreciate all the wonderful, plentiful, powerful, sweet ways God has helped you, you will find it much harder to ask believing. 
And as I reflect on the last 24, 48, 72 hours of my life, I started to make a list today and I would challenge you to do the same thing of all the ways that Helper has helped me. A text at just the right time, handwritten note in my mailbox, a hug from a friend when I walked through the church doors, prayer offered to me, anxiousness that was lifted, a friend that offered me coffee one morning when I really wanted to stop and get it myself and I didn't have time because he cares about all of it. I had fear and doubt that was trying to sneak in because of some natural circumstances that we're walking through. And after some extended time in prayer, guess what? Fear and doubt gone. Faith rises up. That's how he helps us. He knows us so well. Doesn't matter what method he uses. What matters is that he does it and he will do it. A few years ago, my husband and I were on a global team and we met this really sweet couple and they had been serving overseas for a while now. But when they first had gotten called overseas, they had young kids, like little elementary age kids. And for whatever reason, it was just really hard and they didn't have a ton. They were barely making their payments and they lived in this little house in a village and they worked at a local church and there was an orphanage there that they got to serve at. But they were so sad that they had nothing. And that Christmas they knew they couldn't even afford to buy their kids gifts and they just cried out to God like, is this really where we're supposed to be, Lord? Is it supposed to be this hard? Should we go back? Did we hear you wrong? Is there something that we're doing? It's like nothing would go their way. And as Christmas approached, the mom and dad said, well, we're gonna have to gather our kids and tell them that we can't have Christmas presents this year. So that's what they did one afternoon. They had their kids and they sat in the living room and as parents do, we smile and we pretend like everything's fine. We say, you guys, you know what? Christmas is coming. And this year we're not gonna have any presents, but it's okay because we're gonna do other things to make Christmas really special. And then a couple days went by and they were at the local church that day when the Operation Christmas truck pulled in. And so they got to partake in that and they grabbed the boxes and they got to give it to each child that was in the village. And the kids ran home and they were so excited to have gifts and this family went home, the four of them. And they were having dinner that night and then there's a knock on the door. And as they go to the door, they notice that it's the local pastor. And he said, hey, I just want you guys to know. Oh, I forgot a really big part of this story. But it's okay. Okay, can I rewind? Okay. You guys, when they were sitting there on the, on the floor and the dad said, we don't have any Christmas gifts this year. But he said, but if you could ask for one thing, what would it be? And the little boy says, I would really love a matchbox car. And the little girl says, I would really like this doll figurine, and I don't know if she explained it. And the mom said, I know this sounds really crazy, but I really miss tuna fish from America. And the dad said, and I really miss tomato soup, Campbell's tomato soup. Back to the neck. 
local pastor says, I have four Operation Christmas boxes that were left over, and we'd love for you guys to have them. They thank them, of course. They go back inside. They each take a box. No joke. The little boy opens up his box. Blue match box car. The little girl opens up her box. A little doll figurine. The mom opens up her box. Tuna fish. Never put that in the Operation Christmas Child box. <laughs> Never. And I often think the person that put it in there went to the store and thought, tuna fish? Okay. The dad opens up his box. Tomato soup. Not just any tomato soup. Campbell's tomato soup. See, the minute that they said help out of their mouth, God was orchestrating something that they couldn't even see. And how did they know that a family in America was being told to go to the store and buy a blue matchbox car and a doll and a can of Campbell's tomato soup and a can of tuna fish so that this family over here could know that they are seen and they are loved. It doesn't matter what method he uses. It just matters that he helps us. Because I have to imagine that family that received the gifts, the tuna fish and the Campbell's soup, if I had no money, I might be thinking like, Lord, you're going to bless me with a big check in the mailbox or someone's going to call and say, I want to pay your house payment. Right? Because we start thinking about how he should help us. And really what was most important in that situation, all they need to know was God sees them. God knows them. They're exactly where they're supposed to be. And isn't that what he wants out of all of us? He sees us, he knows us, and we're exactly where we're supposed to be. And you guys, I'm fully aware that some of you are in here and you've cried out. And you've cried out again. And you've cried out again, and you're still waiting for your tomato soup and your tuna fish. And I just want to challenge you that as you wait for your tomato soup and your tuna fish to come, that you don't forget to thank him for all the things that he's giving you every single day, moment by moment, the grace to endure, the patience and the perseverance to keep going, the small things that he puts that seem small, but they're big, because you don't know what he's orchestrating over here so that you can have your tomato soup and your tuna fish at just the right time and exactly when you need it. And my prayer would be that we would just learn to trust in him for whatever we need. That we would trust Holy Spirit to do whatever he needs in our lives. Because I'm not a singer at all. <laughs> but this song comes to my mind. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. Jesus, Jesus. 
precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. There's a line later in that song that says, I'm so glad I learned to trust him. That's how I feel. I'm so glad I learned to trust him. So Lord, I pray, I pray right now that every single lady at this table would learn to trust you in a whole new way. Lord, I thank you that you see the needs, that you know the needs, that you hear our cries, that you're going to answer them however you want, in whatever way you can. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.